Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast, the fastest growing conservative, evangelical, charismatic Anglican podcast in the entire Fox Chapel area. I'm Alex, I'm your host, and I'm joined today by the Reverend's Ben. Morning, gentlemen. Good morning. No commentary at all on our new podcast theme tune. Not at all impressed. I have zero commentary on this. I think it reminds me of a little Wild West, Old West kind of feel. Yeah. Very, very British. Well, it's actually Colombia. Uh, oh. It's the celebrated Colombian band uh, Los Yetis uh, from the 1960s, um, which you'll doubtless recall uh, had their, their famous song, Mi Siento Loco, I'm Feeling Crazy. Ah, yes. And, okay. uh, yeah. Los Yetis, is that Spanish for... The Yetis. <laughs> the Yetis. <laughs> I, you know, I never took Spanish, but I think you might be right. I think so. All right. Will you read? I would love to. Uh, what's our passage again? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that you are. It is. For right? the sake of the audience, I'm asking that. <laughs> no, that will help them, won't it? Yeah. yeah. Re- Revelation 2, 12 through to uh, 17. Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. That's right. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you. Where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the te- hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, so we're in in week three of... uh revelation part of the series and uh, i really enjoyed listening to the podcast last week i was disturbed by the parting shot from Wolpe uh, that somehow m- maturity and seriousness and whatever it was he said would return yeah decorum that's true and we we don't have my wife here who added a lot of the maturity and seriousness and decorum uh last week so and, and you do have me which brings us all down about three notches yeah. I think we're and in you have alex which takes us down i might have borne I false witness at the end of that podcast please forgive me well i was i was mowing the lawn as i listened to it and i thought that's just fanciful bordering on absurd well this is what happens when you go out for vacation is that um we all sort of mutiny against you and um we get our jabs in nature hates a, a, a vacuum right yeah. so just sort of Filled it with frivolity, like like pus fills an open wound. Curates and, lo- and these pastors like love yeah. the vacuum. In the text, um, it, we're we're in this this letter is. I love the fact that they're all they're all reading each other's letter, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Like it's yeah. like a group text, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I just love that. And 
Like, you know, when there's some kid getting in more trouble than you at school. That's awesome. It's not so bad being in trouble if someone's worse. <laughs> I, I've, I've often felt that way. Yeah, they say the Laodiceans for last, so everybody's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh! <laughs> uh, So this, here's a church, which is kind of interesting. Um, Jesus says, I, I love, I, I, I know where you dwell. Such a threatening remark. You know, I know where you live. Um, but uh, then he goes on to say, where Satan's throne is. So this church lives in a place ruled by Satan. Yeah. Yet you hold fast to my name. It's actually a compliment. Yeah, it's not a threat. It's a, it's an understanding of your situation. Mm. Like, I know what kind of trouble you're in the midst of. Like, because you live where Satan's throne is. You're dwelling where he reigns. Um, and it's comforting that Jesus knows that. And he's aware of it. Yeah, you did not deny my faith. Yeah. Um, so they're under extreme pressure to deny what they believe in a place that is ruled over by Satan. Um, and then there's a sort of re repetition of that um, where Satan dwells. Satan's home, Satan's domain. They're holding fast to the faith, even in the days of persecution. Uh, my faithful witness who was killed and um i think you may have said this last week in your sermon which i watched from the shores of lake winona uh relaxing i think you said this in your sermon that, that the word witness is the word martyr in the original yeah, language it is i also thought it is interesting in um when jesus first starts speaking in chapter one of revelation mm. uh, oh sorry it's when john says calls jesus the faithful witness oh yeah verse five of chapter one and Jesus is calling Antipas, this martyr, his faithful witness. Mm. Really interesting to me that he's uh, identifying him with his own title. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what what faithful discipleship that leads to martyrdom does. He, he really unites us with Jesus. Yeah. It's a helpful, um, I think it's important distinction sometimes that like he's not, uh, being a faithful witness like Jesus, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to do what Jesus did separate from Jesus or something like that. Oh, but yeah. this guy's uh, martyrdom, I guess, comes out of being incorporated into into Jesus. So it's actually Jesus bearing witness through Antipas. Mm. So not merely emulating. Yeah. But actually empowered by. I hear this language of just like imitation of Christ, which I, it's not bad necessarily, but I think participation is maybe a a better word, mm. um, better way of thinking about um, what the Christian life looks like. Yeah, and we just read in our, our staff Bible study, Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ mm. who lives mm. in me. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the heart of what you're you're saying here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, verse 12 just begins with, to the angel of the church in Pergamum. I think it's worth just having a momentary aside about what angels look like. Because there's been some debate about that this morning. Uh, yes. Like the Illuminati, right? Uh... Right. So there's a church There's a church in L.A. that um, claims that angel feathers are raining down on them when they worship. Um, and and the, I suspect they've got a young lad in the air conditioning duct above the meeting hall just dropping feathers onto people that he's plucked from something. I don't know that there's any 
biblical evidence of the fact that angels actually have feathers. Well, we, they have wings, but they could be like bat wings. You know, they could be leathery and... Skin flaps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, skin flap wings. Yeah. We were speculating that they might be more reptilian. Um, that's where I got the, Illum- the Illuminati reptilian Rep- yeah. humanoid uh, thing. I realized that that sounded vastly inappropriate for a Bible study context. No, but well, we my, brought it up, though. That's my jam. Uh, because they're, they're, they're fearsome-looking creatures. Mm-hmm. They're terrifying. Right. And if uh, a, uh, a puffin turned up in your bedroom at night or a dodo... I don't. I mean, you'd, you'd have questions, wouldn't you? But I don't think you'd yeah. be afraid. We have the the uh, adjective uh, cherubic. Yeah. Like to refer to a fat baby, chubby, yeah, yeah. gentle, smooth, like. But what in fact, if a it's cherub a, is is a type of angel that, with a flaming sword? Or yeah, something, flaming yeah. sword. Seraphim are angels made of fire. Like seraph means fire, I think, right in Hebrew. So if it's a, f- yeah. if it's actually more like an eight foot lizard on fire. That would be a more appropriate image. Yeah. I mean, for a don't, warrior. don't get me wrong. If a fat baby suddenly that I didn't know suddenly showed up in my room at night, I would be I would be scared. But <laughs> yeah. but in a different way, I guess. Um, You'd be more scared if an eight foot uh, lizard on fire turned up. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think we've settled this matter. So seems like it. Yeah. But yeah. the script, just for the record, though, this the Bible is is silent on this issue <laughs> right it, it doesn't doesn't give us any kind of like we're merely we're, we are speculating to some extent i yeah. think in piecing together a theology that's consistent with the word but not necessarily explicit in the word yeah yeah well said. I, I think that's right um as often we're to do but they are fearsome things yes. uh, that have a striking appearance that are stronger than demons and now you look at the classic image of a demon, and it does look something like that. So yeah. this is this is a it is a you know warrior angels, the host of heaven. I stand in the presence of God. These are you know an angel army. This is a serious thing, um, and there's an angel of the church. Now that is a weird phrase that's caused some scholars some confusion, and we're probably not going to get it into it in the sermons because it's not the direct point here. But each church has an angel. Perhaps. Yeah. I had to excise this from my sermon. I was going to make a brief comment about it. This is, uh, your, this is the time. Yeah. But I, my, my read on it um, is that uh, every church is symbolized by a lampstand with a light and, every, uh, and there's a star above it with the star is the angel, the lampstand is the church. Yeah. And so every church has this angel watching over it and with it there's this connection with heaven that I think every single church has mm. that enables us to be the light to the world. Um, and I, I think if your angel's going away, your light can't shine. And uh, if your light is snuffed out, that means probably the angel is left. And yeah. So I, I think it's that connection with heaven that each, he's saying the local church has right. uh, in its place to enable mm. it to be the light of the world. No, we're not Just praying. To, we're not praying to angels, and we're not no. obsessing about angels or um, relying on angels. Yeah, but there's an attention to to uh, the specifics and concretes of our situation that God has, mm. uh, so much so that He has a uh, He has a representation in right. in every place. Um, so if Satan is ruling and reigning and dwelling in that area, there is an angel that is fighting in that area. Yeah. 
Um, so we're being told here that what's going on in each of these churches is a matter of spiritual warfare. Yeah. I'm curious what the angel of the church at Fox Chapel is doing. New logo for the youth ministry. Yeah. I think. That's a spiritual warfare battle. That's <laughs> going to be epic. We'll see. <laughs> Probably keeping us sane in the midst of uh, coronavirus uh, yeah. limitations. Yeah. My friend Jonathan Macy, and I recommend this book, um, uh, Jonathan Macy on Angels, is uh, an angelologist. He did his PhD in angels. Wow. Uh, and it's interesting because he's a very strong evangelical, and, and it's a subject that's not particularly looked at by people in our part of the church. Uh, is a great thing. Um, and I really recommend the book. Fascinating guy, profound stutter, has a preaching ministry, and he's so efficient in what he says. Mm. Brilliant and great to read as well. Mm. So I do recommend that book to you if you want to dig into this subject a bit more. Uh, Jonathan Macy on the subject of angels. Um, this goes on now to, to talk about, um, I have a few things against you. Uh-oh. Um, you have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, 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 doesn't matter, doesn't matter, right? There's Hebrew, there's New Hebrew, there's British, and there's American, and there's, there's correct. Yes. And who knows? But uh, this bloke, um, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, um, a little bit obscure, Yeah. but we think we know what this is about. Balaam and his donkey, God spoke to the donkey, prevented him from cursing Israel. And because he was prevented from cursing Israel, book of Numbers, um, he seduces a neighbouring king uh, of the Moabites to corrupt Israel instead. So mm -hmm. indirectly finds a way to mess with the Israelites um, and leads them then into spiritual practices that are not pure. Uh, there's a bit, of, a, bit of, a bit of Yahweh, but a bit of other false gods. And then also sexual ethics that are, that are dodgy as well. Yeah. Right. Um, well, actually, it's spelled out. Eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. Um, and you have some of them who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans, who we found in, in um, week one, uh, some sort of syncretistic sect within the church that is teaching a bit of Jesus and um, pulling them away from, from really pure Christianity and pulling them not only away from reliance on Christ alone, but then also into perhaps some form of sexual immorality as well. So you have like, uh, you have sort of a converging mixing of Christian faith with uh, other religious ideas, mm. kind of, uh, I guess that's what we would call syncretism. Yes. And then also Christian, like uh, Christian practice, that's what the Balaam thing is, is about, like uh, basically taking that and mixing it with, uh, the practices of the wider culture. So what mm -hmm. they do with their bodies and what they think with their minds, which are somehow connected, are going in a way that's not faithful to the one mm -hmm. God. Yeah. Uh, right, because the one leads the other. If you've got an urge, you're going to try and reverse engineer your doctrine yeah. to allow mm -hmm. you to act upon it. Which many people do. Thomas Cramer said, what the, what the heart desires, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. Oof. Which you're quoting from my sermon I just gave. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to be stealing that. That's great. That's <laughs> yeah. Really great. Yeah, thank you. 
Especially as it's kind of... I'm, I'm struck, actually, by just thinking about Balaam, who could not curse Israel. Like, he was paid to <laughs> curse Israel, and he said, I, I can't, God won't let me. And instead, they roundabout found a way to undermine God's work mm. in Israel. So it's like, we were just talking about how if there's an angel over this church, there's a spiritual warfare going on. Mm. God's preventing, like, direct cursing. But still, people are finding a way around that to uh, undermine God's work through sexual immorality, eating food sacrificed to idols, false teachings. Mm. Um, you know, how, how creative are we in finding ways to work around God's will for us? And we work pretty hard, even though we, he won't let us be cursed, maybe. Um, and there are two... two points i mean one i think we see it's quite prevalent in in the local culture here syncretism is quite prevalent here um specifically in fox chapel uh it it surprised me as a foreigner uh to see the level of comfort people have in merging and mingling religious thoughts that logically speaking are wholly incompatible i, I mean many of these ideas are, don't agree on what god is whether it's a power or a personal persons, don't agree on what heaven is, whether it's being in the presence of the God or some kind of reincarnation or some kind of general spiritual experience or uh, re reassumption into nature. Um, and don't, don't agree on the mechanism by which you get there if there's even a there anyway. Uh, and yet people are quite comfortable in putting a coexist bumper sticker on and saying, oh yeah, it's all the same. Does great violence to each of the different religious beliefs. Yeah. Uh, it's that in, that are exclusive, um, and yet people are happy to do that. Now the second point, to some extent, arguably, we all do. Mm -hmm. To some extent, we all have a brand of Christianity that conveniently suits our desires. Yep. This is one of the things that points me to the fact that Christianity is true because I, I always wanted to I, I'm always wanting to shape it into something with a little bit less of a hard edge um, mm. something that has a, that fits sort of uh, the the way that I want it to be a little bit more um, and yet uh, the way of Jesus is is consistently uh, calling me out and pressing up against what my my inclinations often are and, mm. and so it just strikes me that's not something that I or somebody like me could have cooked up. Um, real things have that uncomfortable quality about them. I like how uh, in the midst of all this, Jesus gives verse 16, two word solution. Well, one word solution, therefore repent. That's it. That's all he says that we should do. Yeah, fixed. Yeah. Problem solved. Repent. Yeah. That's shockingly simple. Mm -hmm. Really warm invitation. In, the, in, the, in light of how serious this is, Christ has died for us. Um, our response it is to stumble and syncretize and uh, mess and mingle, dilute. Um, and his response to our response, or his um, rejoinder to our response, is um, to simply call us back. Yeah, it's interesting. When I, I think it, 
because that idea is so core to what it means to be a Christian, that you must repent. And that's something that we need to be doing all the time because I inadvertently have syncretized my faith and I inadvertently in so many ways have committed idolatry and mm. been unfaithful. Mm. So I like that our prayer of confession is, you know, we're sorry for the things we've done and left undone mm. and sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Like that covers so much more ground in my awareness. Right. Negligence, <laughs> and, weakness, and deliberate fault. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think that regardless of, it's good to name our sins, but for me, I find it helpful at the end of the day to say, I need to repent of my own sinfulness before you, Lord, because I know I'm not holy and I know I'm, I've been unfaithful uh, in so many ways. This warm, inviting, grace-filled and generous God, Jesus Christ, then says what will happen if we do not repent. And we're back to sort of lizard theology again. This is frightening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a promise, by the way. This is a series I of will. promises. I will what? <laughs> Come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. That's a really powerful image. Yeah. Truth will expose falsehood. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the sword of Jesus's mouth, isn't it? Is it not? Yeah. Yeah, so we've traditionally understood the sword, the dark double-edged sword that comes from his mouth that's in the vision in chapter 1 as the word of God. Yes. That Hebrew says is a, is a double-edged sword that pierces through bone and marrow. So he's got this coming from his mouth to represent the word of God as a, as a weapon in right. these fights. It's a very precise uh, image. It is. Jo deep joints and marrow makes me wonder if it's more like a surgeon's scalpel. Mm. You know, it's not a meat cleaver. Yeah. Mm. It's a very targeted thing. Or when you think of fencing versus uh, broadsword. Yeah. This is not a hacking weapon. Am, am I the only one who like can't read this without getting a picture of like Jesus with like a an actual sword coming out of his mouth. No, I, yeah, I think that's the picture that comes, we're meant to get. <laughs> that gets me. That gets me every time. It's bizarre. It's a strange image. Yeah, make a Halloween costume. It's a uh, very, very shocking. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Now that's repeated in each thing, and it's something Jesus says uh, in, in the Gospels as well. Um, that there are those who are able to hear, so hear, and, and it, uh, that perhaps also implies that people have not been listening. Mm -hmm. So listen up. Um, what the Spirit says to the church is intriguing. Listen, read, read each other's mm. letters. Yeah, that's interesting. Learn from them as well. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, that image of the Old Testament uh, being fed, bread of heaven, Jesus himself, the bread of heaven, lots wrapped up in that. And I give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Um, mm. These are great images, both yeah. um, in, a, in, a, in a contest, a white stone was given to the winner, like a trophy. In, in a trial, a white stone is given to the innocent as a verdict. Um, mm. And an identity is on that too, a new name. Mm. Like names were far more important in this, you know, this ancient culture than 
they we are they are now they they said something about your identity about your character right about who you are and jesus says he's going to rename us just think what name satan has been given to us you know what names has satan been writing on us loser guilty Mm. you know weakling Mm. addict what what names has satan whispered to us constantly but those are lies. They're not real. Right. They're not true. They're not true. Yeah. Jesus gives us a true name. I find it interesting that no one else knows except the one who receives it. Like it's hidden, it's secret. Um, I don't really know why that is. But uh, no. there's something intimate about mm. that. Yeah. Like that it's not just blanket. You all get a new name and here's what it is. It's Jesus knows me. He knows my <laughs> sufferings. He knows what I've gone through. Uh, hopefully he knows my faithfulness. And he chooses to give me a new name that's just for me. That's so powerful. Because I, I was thinking about um, books that I've, I've read by Brene Brown um, where she talks about shame and uh, she makes this distinction that Guilt says, I've done something bad. Shame says, uh, I am bad. Mm. And so shame is, is this sort of identity level issue um, of our inadequacy or uh, a general hatred of what we are. And, then, and so when Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new stone of victory and innocence with the new name, it's like mm. a clearing away. I mean, uh, we, you know, we know the gospel deals with our guilt, uh, but then also our shame is mm. is taken away. Um, we conquer. Yeah, and that's that's just a sweet image to me. It is when you think who it is that and what it is that it's being conquered. Yeah. That's sin, and also Satan, who has a throne. So there's a real reversal here of, of the situation coming. Um, thank you. Really helpful. Really enjoyed it. Fiery lizards. I, that that could have been a low point, but uh, I really enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah. Likewise. Great. Ben's, Ben's just quietly tolerating it, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am also enjoying this, yes. Okay. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's great. That's encouraging. Uh, well, this has been a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel. We hope you enjoyed uh, Los Yetis at the beginning, and uh, we'll see you next week. The Yetis. The, 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 yetis. the Yetis. We think loosely translated. God bless. Awesome. (laughs)